Welcome to episode 55 of the Early Game Podcast. Today we talk about Hogwarts Legacy and Metro Prime Remastered. We also discuss last week's Nintendo Direct and rumors about Ubisoft games coming to Game Pass. At the end of the episode, we talk about The Last of Us episodes 4 and 5. Enjoy! So what episode is it? 55? 54? 55. 55. The 5-5. Five, five. Wow. Big times. Into uh, February. Our 2nd of February. We uh, missed last week, I'm afraid, everyone. That's just because... Um, well, I was just ill on Monday and Tuesday. Wait, no. Was I? Yeah, I was ill on Monday and Tuesday. No, I wasn't ill. No, it was John. Hogwarts it was Legacy of- came out. Yes, yeah, so I, I was ill like a few weeks before. Yeah. That's exactly. what we're going to be talking about today. Hogwarts Legacy was released, and I was able to get it on Monday afternoon, start playing, played pretty much... I've been playing pretty much non-stop with my free time until today, and we've been covering it in work pretty much non-stop. Well, into, including you know, up until today, and I'm sure we'll carry on for weeks and months to come. Years. Um, how have you been? Uh, pretty good, yeah. Um, I'm not playing Hogwarts Legacy because I'm not interested in that game, but I have been covering it, and that's been pretty... That's been a lot. There's a lot to do with this game. It's a huge thing, and um, it's been a wild ride so far, and I'm quite tired, but excited to keep going, and excited to hear you talk about it. Yeah, it's... um, It's finally... It's not a disappointment. It feels like such a long time... Um, since the game has really lived up to the hype for me, like the games that I'm interested in. But we'll 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 get on to that. Um why don't we start? Why don't you say what you've been talking about this this past weekend as a as a breather from all the Hogwarts Legacy content. Oh, do you want me to start? Work. Yeah, I think that makes most sense. Um okay. I will briefly, very briefly talk about two games. Uh because cool stuff happened last week. It was the Nintendo Direct, which we will talk about a little bit more. Uh, in a little bit more detail later. And it was also the Steam Next Fest, which, if you don't know what that is, it's like a cool thing Steam does every year where you get, like, hundreds of demos for upcoming games, like games that are coming out this year. And I checked out a few of those and played a lot of cool stuff. And one I want to mention, because I think it might do something this year, is a game called Dark and Darker. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of that. Yes, I had some friends that were trying to get yeah. together to play. It's, it is uh, multiplayer, right? If I'm thinking it's of the an, same thing. It's an extraction game set in like a fantasy Middle Ages kind of period. Uh, it, 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 imagine combining Tarkov with Elder Scrolls. That's basically yes, what that game I'm is. I'm thinking of the same. I'm thinking of the right thing. Yeah, and I. But I haven't pl- played it. No, no. And it was uh, the demo went wild. It was like among the top 10 most played games on Steam during the weekend. And um, I think I think it kind of popped up, popped off a bit, and I, I can see it, when it, once it releases, kind of becoming a little bit of a sleeper hit. And yeah, it's like not my type of game at all. I didn't like it at all, but it, it's, it's an extraction shooter. It's really hardcore. But uh, instead of shooting a gun, you're casting spells or shooting a bow. And that's pretty cool. It's just it's just way too hardcore for me. I've never played Tarkov and those kinds of games because I just get frustrated immediately. Okay, so you didn't enjoy it, but you respect it. You can see it being pretty huge. Yeah, I, I can. I I can see it kind of um, 
attacking that niche and kind of maybe carving out a space for its own because the gimmick with it being swords and bows and and spells and stuff is really cool and there's a, a big meta game which was kind of locked in the demo and like it's atmospherically cool and it's intense it's super hardcore it's like what people love about the genre but in with a different spin and i think that would really work it it already caused quite quite a bit of a stir so once this comes out which i'm not sure when it is uh i'm sure it will do something uh i'm sure we we will hear about this game again this wasn't a flash in the pan now there's a streamer playing it you think this is a bit more longevity because i did see yeah, uh, asman gold was playing it Okay, well, we'll see yeah, that. I'll I keep an eye that. on that. You said uh, it doesn't use guns. It uses swords and shields and arrows and spells and all the other good fantasy stuff. Yeah. Obviously, the risk of that, not as tried and tested, you can just borrow shooting mechanics from someone and make them okay, but it can be quite hard to make spells and arrows and archery fun. How how good are those mechanics, those, those fighting um, uh, mechanics? It felt good. It felt solid. It was just kind of... I lost every fight I had, so I can't really tell how good how good it fully is because i really sucked at it but it felt good and the spell the spell system is really fun you have like different spells you unlock more uh, they they have like ammo basically you have like five fireballs five lightning stuff whatever that's good uh, for especially for a game like that which is about sort of resource management yeah i'm assuming yeah yeah, yeah totally and it's the kind of thing where like the first round was so funny. I just walked into a room, saw a big chest. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I'm going to raid the chest for a loot. And I could hear some crumbling and rumbling. And suddenly I was surrounded by six skeletons. And one skeleton takes like four fireballs to go down. The, 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 the enemies have like a ridiculous amount of health. And I was they just destroyed me. And I was like, what is this game? But I feel like that's exactly the kind of experience that people want from the genre. Um, yeah, and, and there's proximity chat, which is always very welcome, very very great feature. <laughs> so yeah, it's yeah, cool thing. that is cool. I, proximity chat can make for those amazing little moments and clips that you see. I think they needed an extraction shooters as well. Adds that kind of horror element if you can hear someone around the corner, quite yeah. literally. Yeah, and it's always fun. Those stories of people uh, ganging up with each other or just spotting trying each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was cool. Keep an eye out on that. Nice, I, nice. Um, during the Nintendo Direct last week, Metro Prime Remastered dropped. Finally, we've been waiting for this for years. The one I that's think... been uh, rated in Germany since 2021. Yeah, yeah, and it's been in the rumor mill, yeah, since 2021. Um, so ages ago. And we all thought, oh, yeah, they're going to release the whole trilogy of Metro Prime, and it's going to be great. But, of course, Nintendo didn't do that. They just released... Um, a new version of the first game for 40 bucks which i did buy because uh, at first i was angry at this it's actually not that bad by nintendo standards they have yeah sold ports and stuff <laughs> for like full price yeah that's what i was thinking 40 is not you know i've heard them be more offensive but you were still annoyed yeah. you had every right to be furious with them nonetheless because it's a game from like i think 2002 and it literally says remastered on it, so I thought, okay, this is going to be more high-res, and that's it. But it's actually kind of closer to a full-on remake, which for some reason they did not mark it at all. Like, people... My timeline was full of people confused, like, wait, this thing is, like, way more than Nintendo said it was. Like, it is... 
uh, like especially the graphics is like the main thing here they they've been completely redone completely overhauled the graphics the lighting and it looks really great it's a very pretty game for switch um standards and it runs perfectly fine 60 fps and that feels really great and metro prime is still a really great game like i'm having such a good time with it it's very clearly a 20 year old game there's stuff that's just uh, straight up outdated um there's like no fast travel there's it, it's it's very dark souls actually which a lot of people are gonna get annoyed but it, it has like this labyrinthian intertwined world where you uncover shortcuts and stuff to uh, come back to early areas it has completely indirect storytelling everything's told by via logs and stuff so it kind of feels like i'm playing a sci-fi first person shooter that feels quite like dark souls with uh a lot more adventure elements it's it's really it's really really cool it's a really cool game and i'm having a great time with it even though you're annoyed at nintendo you're begrudgingly enjoying metroid prime remastered i'm i'm kind of fine now with it seeing that it's it's closer to a remake than I thought it would be. Um, and also kind of, I, I think it's still a little much. I, I I would have said like 30 was would maybe more consumer friendly, but for a price, but I think this is still okay. Um, It'd be interesting if they did a, uh, if they were sort of transparent as Steam is with uh, current sales and such. Obviously they, did, they, they don't have to be, there's no, obligation to be sony and xbox aren't super transparent with their sales but it'd be it would be quite fascinating to see have they maybe priced this a bit too much for for most fans even on switch where you're limited and you have to kind of pay out what they want it's not like pc but even still maybe as you say maybe that will hurt them a little bit with selling this one I've, 40 I've, does seem like quite a lot or at least if it's going to be that advertise it as a remake don't just say yeah you know it's a remaster it's literally called Battle of Prime Remastered, which I don't think does this a lot of favors. And I've seen a lot of people say on Twitter, like, oh, yeah, this is cool, and I'm glad they're bringing the game back, and it's a better version, much better version than the original. But I will wait for a sale. And it's like, yeah, I get that. I get that. I did kind of begrudgingly still play the 40. But I, I do also want to emphasize that this is a great game and a great um a great new version, great remake slash remaster of it. So I would recommend it. And I think it's like a really cool at, at the forty, game. or would you tell people wait for the sale? Um well if you can afford it, go for it. Because I want this to be successful because I want I love Metroid. So <laughs> but okay, I, I, okay. I think I think considering that it is a pretty old game and it is a remaster. Yeah, maybe wait, maybe wait for a sale. But I think forty is is not completely egregious for this. I think I think it's a good, it's a really nice uh, product, and I think it's it's to me worth the money. Like I'm having a great time with it. Also because I never played the original, so to me this is like a brand new game. So yeah, and yeah, it, it it aged well enough that it feels like okay, I could see something like this coming out today. Maybe not in the AAA market, but because it's like too kooky for that but it's 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 perfectly it's it's perfectly uh, well playable and and good still like it's a really good game so go for it yeah yeah well Please. i'm sure if there are metroid prime fans out there they've already got it on their well i was gonna say christmas lists but that's a bit uh th i'm thinking two months it's... behind though i'm sure they'll get it for themselves this easter. year easter uh, oh, there we go yeah, you can. Uh, I think there's a physical edition coming out at the end of this month. 
So, and Easter is in like April or something, right? I think that works out. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I'm pretty certain it is this year. Well, there you have it. Two fairly, well, even they didn't enjoy Dark, still, you respected it. So you it was cool. respected it was cool this weekend. It was a fascinating experience. And I, uh, uh, one fascinating experience, one outright great experience. So I had a good weekend. And I think you had a good weekend too, John. Diving yes. deep into the lands Deep of into the Hogwarts wizards. Legacy. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm just sort of thinking to myself how to... Uh, I think I think what I'll do is, at least for this week, because um, maybe we'll revisit it, it down the line or we'll get a guest or not, somebody or something, but I'll try and do like a non-spoiler. We've got other news we'll talk about. I won't do like a really long review and I'll try and avoid any spoilers. Um, but I'll try and be as interesting as I can talking about the game because I don't want to be... Much like when we first watched The Last of Us, I'm a bit worried I'm just gushing. It's, it's so sort of personally <laughs> engaging for me. Uh, because and this is something I should have leaned on harder in the review, but it clearly borrows so much um, from Fable in its tone and its design and the way that it makes things easy for you and it's meant to be this relaxing and charming experience, which is something I enjoyed. You know how attached I am to Fable. Yeah, so and I saw like you mention it yeah. in the review and I thought, oh, okay, interesting. I kind of... Um, th- that's interesting because I know how much you like Fable and it's like, okay, if they are leaning into that, it will make a lot of sense that you would like that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Because I like, and the way it's like Fable, and what I like about it is, uh, RPGs for me are a relaxing experience. I play all the shooters and stuff to get, uh, you know, sweaty, stressed, over the top, go crazy, whatever. And you know, I've got some time for Dark Souls. I enjoyed Dark Souls Three. You know, again, a very competitive experience in a sense, even though it's PVE taking on those bosses. But mostly for me, the RPGs I gravitate to, my favorite ones of all time, Fable. I mentioned there, Hit and Run was quite similar, and now this game. Is as I say, it's a very relaxed experience. Nothing's made that difficult for you. You know, you can fast travel very quickly without limitations, or use your broom where you want to quickly go where you need. Um, as soon as you've got this room of requirement, like your home base, you can also generate resources. So it's not particularly difficult or taxing to get all of the potions and the consumables in the game. And the fights themselves, like unless you're playing it on hard difficulty, and even then, they're not particularly tough. You can get through it on what feels like a kind of, I won't say story difficulty, but even normal, once you kind of get over it a little bit and you get used to the combat, you're very rarely having to replay checkpoints many, many times to get past a boss. Um, and then in its tones as well, something where it's where it again borrows from Fable, is it clearly is inspired by this English pastoral tradition. And we're talking lots of babbling brooks and, you know, deer wandering the countryside and you're taking on you know, kind of low-level, not too threatening, not too dark enemies, goblins in the woods and naughty fairies and things like this. So it was just a very, yeah, a very very relaxing weekend playing it. As I say, I'll try not to gush and I'll try and think of the bad thing because there's a reason in our review we gave it a 9 and not a 10. Like, there are things I think, maybe I'll just focus on them now. Like, the graphically, for instance, it's not, um, it's not, it's, I don't think it's poor, but it's nothing exceptional for 2023. Um, Yeah. I haven't seen it on uh, someone with, you know, a 4090 and a 240 hertz amazing monitor, but every game when you have that kind of rig and that kind of screen is going to look pretty great. At least on a PS5 and a decent screen, it's just okay. It's just on par. Um, The story is also just okay. Like, there's lots of good side content, and I like that it makes um, the students and the Slytherins in particular not as black and white as they are in the books. And the 
side missions that you have with one Slytherin student in particular are fantastic. But the actual main storyline and this Goblin Rebellion plot is... It's it's fine, but it's just like a kind of classic fantasy RPG plot. It's just goblins are trying to take over. We've got to stop them. Ancient bit of magic. Oh no, they've uncovered more magic. Go and go to the caves and stop them. A little twist and turn here, but nothing you haven't seen before. But there's nothing egregiously bad. Like outside of those things, the story and the graphics, I really can't think of anything really bad. I mean. The only the biggest bit of criticism I've seen on the subreddit, which I think a lot of people were hoping for, uh, were hoping for, was that it would be closer to a school sim like Persona. There yeah, was a thread yeah. of people who were, you know, were all mentioning that was the one that came up a lot, Persona Five. Yeah. And how there seems to be this big contingent of players that wanted that more, like more of the kind of lessons and the. There's no romance, but they would have liked. I won't say romance. I don't want to make them seem like you know questionable, but you know. You know, there's a way to like yeah. a teenage romance in a way that's fine, you know? Yeah, it is. Um, I've, I've played Persona 5. And uh, the thing about that game is that the dating stuff is really weird. Because yeah. you are a high school student, but you can date your teacher and uh, your other students and stuff. It's a and bit icky. It's a bit icky. It. And because it's such an anime game, it's kind of um, part of the chorus. Um Whereas yeah, I, yeah, feel, yeah. I, I feel like it, that would not have worked at all here. Like, it it would have just been like you can you can get something out of the way Persona does it, even though it. Uh, I mean, it's like deliberately a little perverted in places and stuff like that. Like a lot yeah. of anime culture, and and it works in that sense. A lot of people still felt icky about it, but it uh, the stuff of like dating the other students was really good actually and i really enjoyed that but um i can't see a way to make the work in a game this huge and uh, it was it was already yeah. problematic like this was already yeah. a game that had a lot of eyes on it for the wrong reason so i think yeah. as much as i do understand people's complaint there i do understand why they didn't do that as much and they leaned more on the fantasy action rpg side than the school sim side i think that helps it be more universal as well yeah, I do kind of see that complaint though. Like, I, 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 I see like a chance that to make something cool and um, with actually having to do like the potion courses or whatever and uh, having that kind of be part of your rhythm. And also, uh, I remember in the interview view, you you said the common rooms, for example, are completely underutilized. And yeah, I feel like that's something that if you did more of a school semi type of game. You could incorporate in, in in really cool ways, and yeah, I do, I and do you see could some earn potential. Points as well. Yeah, like you could earn Quidditch points or something. Sorry, just house points in general, and maybe work towards that. You're right. There's potential there that's missed because they're very quickly like, um, even though you're not that learned in magic and you're only a fifth year, very quickly everyone's encouraging you to go beyond the castle walls and get involved in all manner of kind of dangerous stuff, and actually being a student in Hogwarts they could have actually yeah they could have leaned on that more for sure so like what do you do in this game because I'm kind of confused every time I look at it I feel like it kind of does look like a fable it kind of looks like Dragon Age or something um, where it's like you're kind of just shooting shooting red stuff at goblins and it's like okay I and, and there's like stuff I, I um, I've seen some exploration stuff puzzles and, 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 and so on and so forth but like 
What's kind of the 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 loop like? What, so does, combat, what does the loop look like for you? Well, I would say well, uh, the combat. Uh, well, I'll deal with the combat later. The combat does look like that, and that's where Fables was really simplistic. But actually, Hogwarts Legacy is there's quite a lot going on underneath that that makes it quite interesting, and there is actually a sort of you can develop a unique playstyle that makes it fun. But the general, yeah, that's a good point. What do you actually do in the game? So the room of requirement does come to. I think for a lot of people, it will come to dominate your time or be a large part of the loop because this kind of home base where you can, um, you have like these four, I didn't, I didn't realize pets would be such a big part of it and mounts and stuff, but you have these four um, kind of smaller pocket worlds within your room of requirement, which is in, which is your home base. And within the home base, you brew potions, you do plants and you collect resources from these sort of auto-generating things. And you go back there ostensibly to heal up and to, you know, get all of your new potions and resource up, basically, and refresh before you go out and you do more side content quests, clear a dungeon, get more loot, upgrade your loot, whatever like that. But you end up spending a lot more time than I expected actually just hunting for animals and pets and then keeping them there and either breeding them to sell or just breeding them to have little families. And there are, like, shiny versions, like these rare versions. So it becomes this almost Pokemon-like minigame. Yeah, I was just going to say. Which ends up dominating. Like yeah, it's really odd. That's ended up, at least maybe now, because I'm more in the end game. I haven't completely finished the main story, but I've kind of stuck myself in the... Uh, I, I'm, I'm leaving the last bit of story to get loads of the side content done and kind of relax into end game now. So right now, I spend a lot of time going back, just petting, feeding, managing my pets, like checking out the ones that have now grown to be sold and, you know, choosing a new set that are going to have some offspring that I can get and sell as well. Um, but no, the, the general loop outside of just that, if you don't get as dominated by the room of requirement, is that you don't spend as much time in the castle. That's absolutely true because it's not as much as a student sim. You're normally going outside to, as I say, defeat dungeons, uh, deal with side quests. There's a few little puzzle things, uh, but quite a lot of the puzzles are in Hogwarts. More of the time you're going out to the castle walls and the the side quest content is, there's just something everywhere. There's a villager everywhere that wants to talk to you and tell you to go over here and attack that thing. So you're kind of going out beyond the walls more so than actually just living inside it day to day. And then going out, killing monsters, upgrading your gear. It's quite standard kind of loot, grinding, constantly upgrading your gear kind of mechanics. But there's just a lot more of this pet and mount and animal focus than I was expecting. Because to upgrade that gear, you need the resources the animals give you. Oh, okay. So there's, that's the whole reason you do it. It's not just because it's cute to pet them. Like If you want like um, to get the highest level, for instance, on uh, cloaks, you need to have a phoenix in your farm. And that's like quite hard to find and get. And then the phoenix feathers you eventually get from that phoenix will upgrade your gear. But it's kind of just a keep... Uh, I don't want to say looter shoot because it's not a shooter. But it's just kind of keep grinding. The actual spells are quite quick to learn. You learn them all quite quickly. But it's just grinding for more talents and better gear and doing side content. That's the bulk of it. Like The main story is only about 25%, I'd say, of the overall story content. Or that's what it feels like, being a few missions from done. So is it more like, because um, the one thing I thought this game really had going for it, just looking at it from the outside, is like nailing the fantasy of being at Hogwarts. And like, it nails the fantasy of the school. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it, like, like the, the actual vibe. Hogwarts. Yeah, the vibe at Hogwarts is sensational. And the castle itself is 
I've, I don't think I can't remember a building like that I've enjoyed going around this much in a video game because every single room is like mapped and a place. Like it's an immense physical structure and it looks it as you circle outside and you fly around it. But when you go in, you can go in every single tower. Like everywhere you've seen from outside, you can find that place inside. And it is just immense. So you get truly lost in the castle. So it does capture that element of the fantasy, of the actual being at Hogwarts, walking around Hogwarts, especially as the seasons change and you get to see it around Christmas with the trees up. Um, yeah, the castle itself is incredible, just being a student less so. That that sounds good, though. Is, is, is that like also... Because the rest of the game kind of sounds like fairly standard if well-made action RPG stuff is, is kind of... yeah. The it vibes is. and the story, like, what is it that keeps you going beyond that? Is it is it kind of the vibe? How how is, um, you kind of mentioned side quests and stuff. How how is that in terms of, uh, is it more engaging than the main story? Um, or is it just walking around Hogwarts is amazing? Or walking around Hogsmeade is amazing, and also the numbers go up. That feels good. The shooting, I will call it, also feels good. Like, how does yeah. it feel for you? Yeah, no, you're right. Like a lot of those elements, it does. So that's the thing. I was expecting it to be. Um, like, you said, like you said, it does do a lot of those things we expect from action RPGs. And it's iterative. It just does those things that we know well. But that is why I think it's been able to be so good because I was expecting a Harry Potter game that we've kind of got used to that might give you a bit of the fantasy of being in Hogwarts, but the actual gamified mechanics that are attached to it are shit. In this case, they're good. They're passable. They're well done. Iterative, but good. Uh, and it it gives you that other side, the fantasy. It's able to couple with that really well. And that's what, what keeps me playing is probably just that it's so enjoyable to be in that world so it is ultimately the fantasy of just walking around it as you say but the side quests all kind of uh, are woven into that quite well there's not just like go and fetch from here there's usually something in the side quest that will prompt you to investigate or observe a part of the world that you might not have done before like there's a lot that you will just chance upon and that's very magical but if you actually and i would advise anyone who's doing it at home to not just blast through the story completely like maybe do that at first but do stop and smell the flowers because the side quests a lot of them are there in a not in a super handholdy way but they are there to encourage you to know you know come to this place at this time and you might see a moon calf dance go to that place uh you know at that time and you can use spells in this way you know you can attack this monster and it'll give you this thing in return kind of thing so it's that's what i think the side quests do they just they just uh, keep encouraging you to explore the world and teach you more and more interesting ways to do that and to look around it and to find things. Um, it's hard for me to put my finger on right now, really, because I've barely put it down since I started. But it is probably ultimately that that keeps me going back. It's just I enjoy inhabiting this world. Walk, Just walking around Hogwarts, I'll go at like a normal pace. I won't use the fast travel. I'll just walk around because there's stuff going on around you. There's like a magical game of chess being played and two suits of armor that will beat each other up, and then you go into the kitchen and there's like an elf scrubbing the floor or something. So I think just being there and living in that space is what's just so addictive to me right now. Because um, I don't know what the end game will be like. like. This is a concern I have that obviously that will wear off. It just will. Like, that's magical for a bit, but it will wear off. But I am slightly concerned that I, like it will give a really tight 60 hours, but say the... 60 to a thousand hours like the true end game grind i'm a bit concerned because i think it'd be quite quick 
Like, I don't think, as much as it seems really expansive, I've already seen Reddit posts of people that have 100%ed it. Now, that, that's people who have absolutely no life it, like 20 hours a day, yeah. you know, since launch. But I'm already thinking that's quick. I don't think someone could have done that by no lifing, say, Red Dead. Yeah, I don't think I don't think you're gonna have like a endless game, really, unless it's no. Diablo or something like an online game. And yeah, I think you will always have that kind of thing, uh, people rushing through it. I mean, like you said, uh, people were able to play it from Monday afternoon our time on, uh, onwards uh, with some tricks. So they've already had a week basically, and I could see people just blasting through it in a week kind of like you did but even more hardcore like and that you know that's what it is yeah uh, <laughs> i don't really want to hold the game to the that game. standard yeah. like i want to yeah because if you could only design games in a certain way if you wanted them all to be you know over 60 70 80 hours and give you the endless content so i'm trying to review it more on just the idea of is this worth 50 60 70 hours and i think absolutely like for most people and I think for most, even if you weren't as involved in Harry Potter, you have more of just a passing familiarity in it. I think because the combat is fun enough, I think people that aren't even as enchanted by just exploring the world should get a tight 50 hours out of it because there's some good side quests in there. The main quest, yes, the storyline isn't amazing, but it's somewhat compelling and the combat's fun and that kind of grinding, looting thing is done particularly well and just the pets, the farming, the Nintendo, not Nintendo, the Pokemon collection element of this game which is just weirdly massive i think i think that would win the hearts even if the begin of the biggest cynic for at least a good few hours especially when you see a, a moon calf dance in the uh in the twilight i think even you faris would melt at that <laughs> uh, adorable sight oh uh, we'll see we'll, we'll see, see. i, we'll I see. have to say um two things did kind of get to me where i was like okay this is cool it was uh the vivarium which you talk about in your review Yes, yeah. Which is such a cool thing. Uh, it's basically you step into... It's like Narnia or something. You step into... A, it looks like a wardrobe. and it's But it's like a portal to this this amazingly beautiful place where all your captured uh, enslaved Re animals We are. prefer the term <laughs> rescued, but yeah, yeah, captured. Rescued, yeah. Um, and it's really pretty. It's like... Um, at least stylistically, I think this game has some some things going for it, and like flying around Hogwarts on a broom and stuff like that is undeniably cool. And I mean, that is a fairly low bar. That one specifically is a fairly low bar to clear, but they did it, and yeah, um, that uh, no one else has really done it. And the Vivarium was like a cool one. Where it was like um, you you write about it really nicely in your review about this like idyllic place that is like really pleasant to be in, and I I. I thought that was really cool, and that, that that looked really nice. That that was kind of where I was, where I thought, oh, okay, maybe there's something to this, and then I kind of lost interest again. But that was, it, it does have some cool things going. That's for definitely. I mean, there's a reason it's like breaking records, and it's getting all these nine out of tens. Like, there's a lot to this game, and it's a lot more than just people who are hyped for Harry Potter finally get like a good Harry Potter game, especially when you consider how much this game was set up to fail in many ways and the kind of controversy that was set against its release. I think there's there's something really masterfully well done here. There's like, it's not perfect as I say, and there are a few elements where it could have, you know, uh, leaned on being a school sim a bit more. And there are a lot of quality of life features that they should introduce now. And with a bit more time and a bit more money, I bet they would have had these things available on launch. 
But I really think, I would urge, as I say, as a final sort of point to anyone, I'm sure we'll go back and talk about it in the future, but as a point to anyone that just likes maybe a more relaxing tone of fantasy RPG, even if you don't have a passing, f or if you've just got a passing familiarity with uh, Hogwarts and Harry Potter, I really think there's so much that so many more people could get out of this game. Um, and it's just, as I say, it's so enjoyable just to be in, just to explore, just to walk around, just to engage with. Um, it's just, I don't know how it's done at all, but there's just, there's so many things going on that are lovely and pleasant and just jump and grab your imagination. I talk about the paintings in the review and they're another thing that just work really well in Hogwarts that they've done it just like the films where they're all alive with people in them and they've got there, lots of them are playing snippets of music. So you can go down a corridor and hear someone, you know, playing Chopin in one and then you move to the next one. There's someone playing a Spanish guitar or something that's like near the music room. In particular, all the paintings have uh, uh, musical instruments, but they have them in other paintings around the castle as well. And it just, yeah, it just it comes together very magically. As ironic as that is for a Harry Potter game, but let's let, let's leave it there because I just I still I just haven't wanna, can collected I say, my own thoughts. Can I just say one thing about what you said earlier? Because um, um, th there has been a lot of talk around this game, obviously, and one thing that I do kind of. Um, find strange or like uh, that that uh, i i think people underestimate how much of a safe bet this actually was because i think as this game would have sold sold well anyway uh cyberpunk uh, no, I, I, well. so, so it would have sold well but it would have been but it's not a cyberpunk so i'm not saying that look how good it is it's actually sold well it would have done you're right it's a harry potter yeah. ip it still would have done but this is there's, there's clearly that this isn't just the hype of that IP because it's very, you know, we've had Harry Potter games in the car past. We've been hyped about things in the past and they've sold very well. Let's go back and mention the Cyberpunk example just again. But there was no kind of quick turn. We, we weren't inundated with those kind of negative articles, negative reviews, everyone demanding, um, you know, refunds and such like that. You're, you're right. Like the issue about the trans debate was always going to be more a certain audience online it wasn't really going to be about the mass yeah it was never really going to hurt the mass commercial potential of this game yeah like the, but, the the john doe who just bought a ps5 and plays no games except of call of duty and fifa is gonna yeah. buy this game and yeah he that, uh, that kind of person will probably never even will maybe have heard once about the issues around this game because that is public enough to some degree but yeah uh, like it's on news and stuff, but it's not as dominating as people think. It's like dominating online because that's where those kind of discussions just happen nowadays. And that's where like trans people have voices and stuff. Uh, so that's where the arguing is happening. But like most people, like this is the kind of game that transcends the gaming community. And I think there's been a lot of really annoying rhetoric around, oh, look at the Streisand effect of this. People call people criticize the game for very legitimate reasons by the way and now it's oh i it's don't think oh i don't successful. think i don't think well i don't think it's like a streisand effect don't get me wrong i don't no, think no, people are like i, I don't think people are hate well. buying this game yeah exactly yeah yeah i don't think people are like Agreed. hate buying this yes yeah. and um, that 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 really fucked me off like I, that annoyed me so much uh, among many many other things like the way uh tra trans people on the internet have been treated around this uh and so on there's th there's a lot going on which we don't need to get into, but uh, yeah, it's it's just that one aspect really annoyed me. Like this would have gone down well either way, and it's it's obviously a big plus that it's a solid to great game. 
and that people are having a great time of it that obviously helps but it's uh you know th this thing would have sold like hotcakes either way i think Yes, it would have done, but I, I also think what my point was, it was still set up to be despised if it had been a disappointment, is my yeah. thing. That it would be more of like, all eyes would have been on it had it failed. Just because it was so big and there was all this hype behind it, that I think we would have seen a huge backlash if it had been a disappointment. And Let's, it just, it, it hasn't been. If it had uh, been a cyberpunk level shit show, then yes, because... We would have known. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that could have backfired, but I think... Because I there's also a lot of people who don't love this game, just as a game, uh, you know, like not not really. Like there are a few, but if you go on like the critic, um, you know, when we did that article, when the first critical yeah. uh, reviews came back, I think the lowest was like there was one seven out of ten, and then the rest were eights and nines. The only example I've seen there's one Wired which gave it a one out of ten, but they say yeah. in the article it's to hurt the sales, so I don't think that's what they genuinely think. I was kind of annoyed about that too because it's like they make a lot of legitimate points and then it's kind of just ends up being a trolley thing which just plays into the hands of the people who are being annoying about this game. I think uh, just don't do a review if you're going to give it a one. Like just... just uh, You absolutely should review the game if you don't think it's good um, and you could give it a fair score. But that... That that just seemed like it wasn't like that was just. But that wasn't that a seemed review. Like a hit that was, piece. Yeah, that's what and it was. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, write the hit piece. They should be allowed to do that. But don't don't make it your reveal. I don't give it an out of ten. Just say, you know, what whatever your arguments are against it. But no, I mean, that's that that that's a whole point of yeah. you know journalistic standards and reviews and such. It's it's too much for now. Yeah. But we'll we'll get on to the um, we'll talk about Hogwarts Legacy again in the future at some point, and we'll get a guest on at some point. Because I need to also just organize my thoughts more on this game. Because I've barely stopped playing it. I'm just in love with it at the moment. Yeah. But I need to, as I say, I'm sure, I'm sure as well I'll have more things to say against it once I've played it more in the future as well. So let's move on to some news topics. Because there has been yeah. some other things happening in the world besides Hogwarts Legacy. Not much, but we have a couple of things we want to talk about. Um, well, you mentioned Nintendo Direct earlier. Should we start there? Yes, Nintendo Direct happened last week, last Wednesday, I think, um, at 11 p.m. European time. I stayed up to cover this live, and right after around 10 minutes or so of this 40-minute show, I massively regretted that decision. <laughs> uh, it's just because I think this was a solid Nintendo Direct. I think we are very much in the last... You know, the late spring, like the last spring of the Switch's life, like it's slowly coming to an end. I think next year we'll get the, the next Switch. And it kind of feels like they're slowly rounding rounding it out, you know, sl slowly still releasing a few games. Zelda's obviously a massive highlight, but there's not going to be anything other that's that big, I think. And you could kind of, the, the show, the last few directs actually kind of had that vibe. This one especially, there was a lot of cool stuff. Like I said, the Metro Primary Master was shadow dropped. That was cool. They showed off Pikmin 4, which uh, I think is going to be a really cool game as well. Some cool smaller titles. A new Professor Layton game, which I personally am very excited about. I loved those games when I was a kid. Uh, Advanced Wars is finally coming out after... Did you uh, Do you know the story of that game, Advanced Wars? No, no. What's it's, this? It's like an old, it's like Fire Emblem with uh, modern armies. 
it's like a tactics like a turn-based tactic game tactics action game with like tanks and shit and it's it's a fantastic it was it was originally game boy advance and it's a fantastic tactics game and they're remaking it for the switch and it was supposed to come out last year in um march or april i don't remember or may uh, and it was delayed after the the russian invasion of ukraine because they they thought it would be insensitive because one of the armies you control is like basically russia like a fictional version of russia so they just and it was supposed to come out yeah like in the middle of the year and they just said no and then it just didn't say anything about it again until this direct so for like almost a year and the game is done it was supposed to already be here and it's still only coming out in april like they talked to about this game again which was supposed to come out last year and we're like yeah, yeah it's coming in two months it's all super random. I don't know what they're doing with that thing. But it's going to be cool. But that's also the kind of thing about Nintendo right now. It's all like kind of fine. It's cool. Um, certain people love these things. But it's nothing too exciting. Like I kind of predicted, oh, maybe we'll get a new Mario game. And I just don't think that will happen uh, at all. But yeah, uh, some cool stuff. A lot of kind of filler. And then... No Zelda then? It was Zelda at the end. Uh, there was the big... So it was the, the bit of the morsel of the bit of meat they had. Yeah, obviously that's like the last big game of this console. It's it's kind of become apparent now. Uh, Did they and... give any any important info or anything substantive, or was it just more hype? It's it's weird because uh, so we already had a release that it's not changing. It's coming May twelfth, um, and they're still being really coy about this game. Like even the trailer showed off a lot of new stuff but there was no accompanying like press release with it nothing explaining any new changes new gameplay elements there's still a lot of like suggestion and a lot of kind of teasing and the trailer unfortunately wasn't amazing it was okay but it wasn't that well done but it, they showed off a lot of cool stuff for like two seconds each you know that kind of thing and which which just caused lots of speculation still and like still lots of confusion like what actually is this game it's still not clear which i think will remain this way until it comes out like i think this is just I a way to go yeah i think it's got fans worried though compared to uh the last one i heard because i'm not a fan i don't i don't uh, i've never owned a nintendo but um Danny, uh, who you know from work yeah. and has been on the podcast before, and Jacob, someone else who works with us on the video team as well, they were talking about it today, and they're both quite big fans. And they were both talking about how they're actually a bit a bit worried, a bit less hyped uh, than they expected to be for the game this close to release. I think Just because it looked a bit more like a kind of uh, Breath of the Wild 2.0 rather than uh, a new game. Yeah, it does look like that for. because it's the same world, it's the same graphics. But there's obviously something, they're obviously hiding something. And there's things like, I mean, things we know are already to me exciting enough. Like there will be a whole part of the map uh, for story reasons have been lifted into the skies. So there's like a lot of stuff in the sky. There's like islands floating in the sky and stuff. Uh, so that adds a whole new dimension to the map and to the game. And there's been like the atmosphere is a lot darker. It's there's a lot of weird stuff happening in the trailer, and there's like a they send you off with a really weird vibe at the end as well. So I feel like there is that is on purpose to mask something major that they haven't shown us yet. And I think also quietly quite hopeful then. 
I am quite hopeful for that. I think it's fascinating. And uh, Breath of the Wild is now six years old. They had six years to work on this game. So there's going to be, I, I think there's no, there's not a single doubt in my mind that this will be a fantastic video game. Will it manage to kind of, uh, you know, take some of that old stuff, like it situates, situates itself in within the last game, doesn't manage to kind of not get stuck in there, so to say, like, will it be enough new, enough new stuff, enough good stuff? That people won't constantly talk about Breath of the Wild while playing this game. I'm I'm not 100 sure, and I think that's where like most of the concern comes from, and I do get that. But I I personally find it quite exciting, like that they're not that you don't really know what this game is three months ahead of release. Like that's pretty cool. That could obviously backfire, but I trust them with this one because the last one was so was a masterpiece. It's so, probably the yeah. console franchise product, right? Yeah. So I'm sure I'm sure it won't be um I don't think it'll be I don't think there's any threat that it's not, you know, at least at a certain standard. I think it's yeah. just that, as you say, that'll probably hurt it, just that is it too close to Breath of the Wild? But is that even a bad thing? Maybe it's kind of do fans know what they want, grass is always greener, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Maybe they think they want that, but actually if Breath of the Wild was so incredible and you're still yeah. on the same console. You know, it's still a switch. They can't exactly push it to the nth degree. No. So taking it to the air might have been the best uh, decision for them. Yeah, and like it, people, especially gamers, never know what they actually need. Like, like that's something that developers often talk about on Twitter where it's like, if you would implement all kinds of feedback that we get from players, our games would get much worse because that's just not how things work. Um, so I'm sure they have enough surprises up their sleeves that, they, that it will be something special again. At least that's my hope. But I, I get the concern. It's just not as exciting because it's not 100% new. And they are being so coy with it. I personally I personally enjoy that and it makes me excited. But yeah, I, I get the concern. But we'll see. It's only three months. It's not too far away. Well, planned. Planned three months. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm not um, concerned either. I think... Um, they're not going to delay well, this. They're taking anyway. pre-orders and stuff. It's It's set. They, if they would have re uh, delayed the release, they would have been now. But I, I well, think it's happening. I, I'm, 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 I'm sure you're probably right, but we've seen... Uh, anything well, can happen. Well, anything can happen. Anything can happen, yeah. Maybe plans of, maybe uh, Nintendo's yeah. factory burns down or something and it will be they won't be able to produce cartridges. I don't know. Anything can Well, happen. we joke, but <laughs> during COVID, that actually, well, not quite exactly like that, but, uh, you know, that's, that's not a million miles away from being possible. <laughs> Um, well, I'm I'm hyped for it either way, but I mean, well, I'm not hyped for it. I'm hyped for the people that play it. I won't play it. You're myself, happy for us. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I just don't think. Um, I think it's a bit of a I don't know, a bit of a grass is greener thing. I think it's just surely gonna be good if they just keep doing. Breath of the Wild seemed so universally loved by yeah, everyone, everyone except Evan, who I know didn't like it, but everyone else I met <laughs> liked it. So if they just do more of that again, yeah, you can't you can't really fail, can you? And you, yeah. it looks like you'll be able to build your own vehicles, which is fucking hilarious. That's gonna be so wild to see what people can do with that. Like you can, it looks like you can just attach stuff to like a platform and then make a vehicle out of that. And that's like some Kerbal shit. Like people That'll are gonna make people playing. Yeah, that's a great little thing to throw in there if we were to like build their own kind of ship and or whatever kind of vehicle they make. That's a great little thing that would keep yeah. people on that game. I bet. I love that. But yeah. 
um, something else I love, John, is um, Game Pass. And as we all know, I've been shilling for Game Pass for years. You can go back to listen to all podcast episodes for years. I know. Well, if only listeners could see your bank account and all the invoices <laughs> from Microsoft or to Microsoft. Uh, thankfully, uh, all deductible from tax. But um, Game Pass is set to become even better. Even better. Even, even better. better listeners. You know demand. how much Faris likes it as is. So this is some exciting news. Uh, there has there have been a lot of very loud rumors, let's say, that uh, Ubisoft Plus is coming to Game Pass. And Ubisoft Plus is basically Ubisoft's Game Pass. That's where all the games are in. It's like a subscription service and you can play all the Assassin's Creed's all the Far Cries, everything your heart desires. You can even play Splinter Cell. Um, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of Ubisoft games, and they're set to come to Game Pass according to leakers and uh, insiders. We've heard rumblings about this before. It seems um, more set now than ever. We we still unfortunately don't know many details. Like, um, But it does seem just to... Uh... I'll just add, just to really, yeah, um, uh, no, just to just to um, back up or reiterate what you're saying there. It's more than it does seem like it really. This isn't just like one of those rumors that you hear about distantly. You know, we've heard about this multiple times. There was uh, something uh, last month where clearly it was just uh, being shown ahead of time, but on the on one of the specific in one specific country, their Xbox Game Store, all the Ubisoft games were suddenly kind of showing how they will show when Ubisoft Plus is incorporated into Game yeah. Pass. They were like zero, zero dollars to download and play. So this is like, well, just to add on to what you're saying, really, that just this is, yeah, this is, although it is leaks and it's not officially confirmed yet, this does seem like one where I'd be willing to bet, like if I had to, if I had to put money on it now, would you think it'll happen or not happen? I'd definitely bet in favor of it will yeah. happen and quite soon. And the, like, I'd say first half this year. Yeah, and you would not get a great quota on it because it seems so likely. Um, especially considering EA Play is part of Game Pass, and I think the same will just happen with Ubisoft. It will just kind yeah. of yeah, it's know. just an upgrade to your Game Pass. You can include all of the Ubisoft games for an extra however much it is a month, and and it also gives you if you play those games, it gives you um, usually it gives you like some reduction in price on the cosmetics yeah. or whatever the in-game currency is. Although Ubisoft don't have that many games to serve, it's only really Siege where I can imagine making they'll make that much money oh that. they have tons of games as a service <laughs> well none of, of them are particularly games great as a service yeah i should rather uh, is the division two still running well with for all for all six of the guys on the service yeah i'm sure it is um but yeah i mean if this happens uh, obviously another big w for microsoft just having like i think that there was like a leaked list of games that will come and it was like 65 games or something and it's like okay game pass will soon be able to claim we have 200 plus games on here and it's like it, it it just gives them even more quantity and yeah that's that's really it i don't know i think better than ea though ubisoft would be a good upgrade to the past like i think more so than ea ubisoft have a lot of um you know uh games that you might want to pick up you know kind of action games that are you know 20 hours or less to complete that you could that are perfect for Game Pass that you could pick up, yeah. you know, years later and just have fun for a weekend, and you would, know, or maybe a replay of a few of your old favorite ACs or Splinter Cell, which you mentioned there, a great one. I would play Far Cry Six on Game Pass. I would not buy it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, how cheap is it? Oh, yeah. I still wouldn't buy it. I no, still wouldn't buy it. No, You're right. It's still quite expensive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know what Ubisoft is getting out of that, except probably a big wad of cash. Um, and I mean, they're, they're probably a percentage And they desperately need it. I don't know, man. They they are definitely desperate, but <laughs> it's uh, yeah. We'll 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 see when this comes out. It will be. I really think they just want to be bought. I think they want it. I think they ultimately just want to be bought by Microsoft or someone. They do. But we'll see. That's the woes of Ubisoft. Continue. They do have the energy of like someone just please absolve me. Someone, yeah. Someone. I don't want to suffer in this world anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Avatar: Explorers of Pandora, whatever it's called, coming soon. Skull and Bones coming soon. I hope that will be a Game Pass Day One. That'll be funny. Well, I just have a look at it. Just have a look at it. I want to sort of see—is it really as bad as they say? Yeah. But that's cool. So more reasons to join Game Pass. Go away. Even and do more. It, Go out there. Give Phil Spencer money. He deserves it. Um, now, that's that's it for the news. Let's go to our weekly section of the podcast. John, it's time to talk about The Last of Us. I know, the perfect uh, counterpart through which I could uh, analyze Hogwarts Legacy, the complete opposite in, yeah, in tone. In vibes. It was the, yeah, in vibes. <laughs> it was uh, HBO's zombie master masterclass, The Last of Us, episodes four and five, because we went here last week, and because and they go well five together. happened on Friday because of the Super Bowl, yada, yada, yada. And they go together, exactly. It's kind of, they were, they basically were, one episode weren't they whereas the others have been very clearly have represented kind of these episodic chapters this was clearly a two-parter yeah. yeah um which to bring up speed if you're listening to this at a later date or something or you're going to pause listen to the last of us come back this is the bit where we've done uh bill's town and we're going away from bill's town and they get into kansas city and they crash their car and they start fighting uh the baddies and then they get away and they meet uh, a pair of brothers who are also escaping the baddies and they all of them leave Kansas, um, and then yeah, that, that that's the episode to jog you of where we are and what we're talking about. And then you'll remember, of course, if you are coming back late, right at the end of the episode, uh, Sam has to kill Henry. No, no, Henry has to kill Sam because um, Sam is bitten, um, and so just as he kills him and turns the gun on himself, Ellie and Joel leave for their next destination. So that's just bringing us up to speed. Faris, initial thoughts on the two. <laughs> What a horrible question to ask after what you just described. Uh, it was really so. There were uh, to, um, to kind of generally, um, my general verdict is that I pretty much loved all of it except everything to do with Kathleen and the revolution. I thought that was really weak, and um, it kind of had its moments and it kind of had potential, but they just don't quite stick the landing i think and it kind of ends up being quite silly and uh unnecessary a little bit of a waste of time <laughs> i would say just because also all the other stuff is really compelling you um and really nicely made i think like in episode four you see um, more interactions between joel and ellie and kind of their you tangibly see their relationship changing and and and, and um forming uh, into something more intimate and then you see obviously the kind of parallel between them with sam and henry uh in a very different situation because sam is is deaf and they are being hunted in kansas and stuff but um those kind of intimate moments and also those two duos coming together worked really well for me and i love the two actors 
and I I really enjoyed all of that stuff around the dynamic of these duos. And also, I thought episode five had the best action piece of the series so far with the sniping stuff and then the the outbreak of the infected, like them storming out of that hole. And yeah, it was definitely like, the best action sequence yeah. in the, in the season so far. Yeah, it was really well done for like a TV action sequence. Like nothing amazing, but I I think um, it was really really effective and really parts of it were quite impressive and i think they even handled the bloater okay like and again developing um joel and ellie's uh rela- relationship with the moments just before he goes up there do you trust me yeah, yeah. and then she shouts that so that kind of um unspoken trust because neither of them are particularly vocal or you know open people where he's just sniping people from above and covering her as she goes sort of cover to cover um, yeah, i know it was all just caught up in the action of everything but it's quite nice that that reflected on their relationship yeah, um, they're really good with. Uh, they're obviously very precise in these little moments, and uh, also kind of how you see Joel protecting her through uh, from the distance. You know, him sniping the the um, the, the zombies, and you can kind of Peter Pascal's acting, which is just insane on the show is is particularly good there where you can see him being really frustrated when ellie would get be in trouble and trying really hard to save her from a distance and i thought that was really effective as well like those kinds of things and those two especially had a lot of like little moments that were really good especially in episode four um with ellie making joel laugh and and those kinds of things i think they all work yeah. really well those those bits of humor. There's a moment in four and again in five where she tells him not to. He's got an asshole's yeah, voice. Yeah. Seriously, Joel. Those moments of humor I've thought have been really well done so far. Kind of well written, well delivered, uh, selectively chosen. Really, really like how they've yeah. been able to incorporate some humor. I do agree overall. I think if you were to rewrite this, the last was part one. This game as a, or if you would just rewrite the story but with much more creative license and you were just told okay give us something like this for a tv show you know still reach uh point b from point a i think you wouldn't even have included this whole kansas city plot because as you, you're right function it doesn't really achieve anything it you know it their relationship develops uh we get to see a similar relationship you know shaded slightly differently uh with the uh muteness of deafness rather with the two brothers but really, in these two episodes, the whole Kansas City thing, we, we could we could have just got past it, I suppose. Um, the yeah. action sequence was great. I do know what you mean about how the the revolution and the woman that's now like new Fedra. I love her as an actress. Yeah, and I think she's actor, a brilliant actress. Um, and I did like uh, when the doctor, when there's can a doctor help? No, and then she walks back and shoots him. That was quite a well done. That was a good villain moment. I thought that was um, yeah, very well done. But it's, it's just, it's just like, as you say, it needs a bit long. It comes off silly, I find. Yeah. It's too quickly like, okay, we've taken over everything. She's the bad guy. And then she's able to get the streets of Kansas so densely packed that for 11 days he can't possibly leave. And they're still somehow found. I just, it's it's too silly. It's a bit too over the top. Like you might as well have just had a Federer in Kansas City hunting yeah. for this Sam character. Yeah. I suppose it introduces the idea that there are humans who are evil, but we know that anyway because last week they raided um, Bill's town. So I don't know whether we needed, you know, to get up and close with one of these kind of human gangs. Well, it's kind of the thing that the like Bioshock Infinite thing that of like oh, all sites are bad. 
you know when when you get to power one day you will also be a, a genocidal maniac and it's which like where this, which is where it's really on the nose and it's worse yeah it? exactly and it's like okay that's whatever man that's just your opinion man like it's it's not interesting it's not an interesting story at all and i think they um I was hoping that episode five would kind of make more of the character because the way uh, Kathleen's character, because the way she's set up in four is very thin and you do get more, but it's all really on the nose and silly and like her being like, yes, I know that my brother wanted me to forgive him. And I know that he did what, uh, that Henry did what he did, which was to be a rat essentially. And they play interestingly with the dynamic, but she's like, yeah, I know that he did that to save his, also that like sam had leukemia was like oh my god like can you give us a break like this is so this is one yeah. step too far he could have just given the answers because they said they were going to beat up his brother or something it didn't need to have yeah 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 oh uh, you don't even need to give a reason you want to protect or your just, brother I was a, and yeah, it's an I was awful a snake. it's a yeah. dog eat dog world like we yeah. got that we we get that this is this is uh a, uh, uh, like eat or be eaten kind of world. Like you don't yeah. need to be like, oh, and he had leukemia, and they had the only medicine that he needed. Yeah, the and only leukemia medicine. Well, he's like, dead anyway, because they're not going to be able to manufacture that in the end time, are they? So the, all those things and like that scene of Kathleen in her old room. Uh, those were like my least favorite bits. Maybe of I the didn't buy season. that at all. Yeah. That seemed so inconsistent with her character. Maybe if we'd had more time, they could have used it to show that there was another side to her character that was still there somewhere beneath all this pain and suffering and that she'd been kind of warped into something more evil than she was. But they didn't have time for that. So it just came off as silly. Yeah, just yeah. silly. It's yeah. it's almost like they were aware that it's Finn and were like anticipating the critique. So they're like, okay, she's basically directly addressing them. And that kind of makes it worse. But I still yeah. think I will stay five, just because the seek the action sequence was so down was was so well done. Yeah. Um, Sam killing Henry or Henry killing Sam, oh whichever is the case, that is very well done at the end as well. It so very... it's still better than two for me, I think. Yeah, I'm not in my ranking, like order. I'm not, I'm not ranking. Oh, I'm ranking episodes. quite heavily. I'm doing three <laughs> or one, then five, then two, then four. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think because four was like the least eventful. I, I do think I five was a, ended up being a really good episode because the Sam and Henry stuff was so good. I loved the actors; they had great chemistry with uh, Peter Pascal and Bella Ramsey, who are both just fantastic. Uh, continue to be fantastic and continuing to like their develop uh, their characters are uh, developing more and more. Uh, kind of, you see more and more sides from them, and you can you can see how good they are uh, acting acting with their bodies as well. Kind of behaviorally, there's kind yeah. of an easiness there. They're not as um, tight or restrictive around each other, just just with themselves and how they hold themselves. So yeah, it's, yeah they're they're really playing that part and, well and developing it episode by episode. And the scenes with like uh, with Ellie and Sam were particular, like just genuinely nice and really lovely and well done. Yeah, again, maybe a bit on the nose, but that's okay. I think it was a bit, bit too sweet, uh, honey dripping, a bit too, bit too sweet, maybe. But it's fine. They needed to move quickly and have us kind of buy this friendship between the two of them. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I didn't. Yeah, but that's fine. You know, I think it's, that's kind it's of something... very quickly just I to think... make us feel a bit more sorry. Yeah, I think I think that's actually something you can kind of say about um, 
the show in general that while a lot of it is very well developed and told, I feel like everything could have benefited from a little bit more time. Like apart from Billstown, which is yeah, probably the best, which, which got a lot of time and yeah, it massively benefited from that. Uh, yeah, with the exception of that, I would have loved to see more of every bit, except except the one we talked about earlier. Yeah, I think they could have done with breaking this game into... Now we're getting further through, and we are still really enjoying it. It's still probably going to be a top five show for me. I still think this would have been better done if they'd broken it down into Last of Us Part 1, or Last of Us Part 1A, Last of Us Part 1B. Obviously, better naming than that, but... Yeah, yeah, I would have liked to have seen the first game divided into two seasons. That's kind of hard as well, because then it's maybe too slow. I, I, don't I know. No, I don't think so. I really think there's enough in the game. You could easily have made two seasons out of the first game. Because it's it, we're going to feel quite rushed towards the end here. Like, I could we'll be see. wrong, but there's a lot to be shown. And I think they could have shown us, you know, the way they did Billstown up to that point, Gate Pass Billstown, and everything from before that could have been five episodes. You know, they could have brought us maybe up to the point of leaving Kansas City or maybe just meeting Tommy or, you know, the thing that happens that I won't spoil that goes wrong when they meet Tommy as maybe the cliffhanger for season one. Because I am worried now about how the final episode and particularly uh, the episode before the final one when they're going to meet David and have that whole um, awfulness happen. I'm I'm worried that's uh, not going to be done justice. But we'll see. We'll see. I mean... Um... To kind of lightly spoil The Last of Us, the game, the end of that game is like a 30 minute gameplay sequence, which will just not happen. Like, that will be like five minutes. Yes. That will yeah. be like They two can minutes. shorten that a lot. You're absolutely right. <laughs> but know? I feel like they, even if they shorten that a lot and they expand on what comes either side of that, there's still lots of important um, conversations that need to happen. And I don't know how they're going to deal with the epilogue either. I mean, maybe they'll just give us like a two-hour episode or something at the end. But I'm still worried, even if you take out all of those combat bits, as they've basically done so far, I still am quite concerned that it will be too quick. Just because they've shown what they can do with time. Like, as I say, episode three, you can't always repeat that success. But there are, as I'm going to say again, repeat myself being a bit annoying here, but just that bit with David before in the snow, I think that part in particular could be made into quite a, you know, decent uh, length of TV. Yeah. The way they're doing it. We basically still, we have left behind material that, you know, is going to show up, I'm pretty sure. Oh, God, yeah. Um, we don't even have yeah. The Last of the Last of Us. We've also got to get that involved. Yeah, and it will. Like, it's already confirmed that Riley's in the show, so. I mean, maybe they're all just going to be an hour and a half or something from here on out. But... I mean, I don't know. I don't want that. I, I, I expect that for the final episode, maybe the final two. I think next one's going to be another like normal length and we'll get through the Tommy stuff and um, kind of start uh, going into the next chapter of the game, like uh, deeper into the winter chapter. I think then episode seven, we'll get David, right? Um, yeah, I imagine they would do Tommy six. Oh, they've got nine. They've got four left, don't they? Yeah. Which basically... I think they'll do, yeah. I think they'll do uh, the um, stuff in the winter over episode seven and eight. Yeah, as you suggest. Yeah, uh, I mean, there is still have plenty of time, and I think it's actually a pretty decent ratio between. We're sort of halfway through. Um, I th- I think that kind of uh, co- um, connects with the game, but yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, they are still continuing to 
constantly change things for the sake of uh, the show. Um, luckily, but luckily, they're not changing. Um, they're not going against the grain of any of the characters or written yeah. as written, and they're not changing the most substantive points of the plot. That's why I'm still really liking the clever way in which they're changing and adapting for TV. They're changing for the medium as they need to, as you say, but they're not really changing anything substantive about the characters or the plot. Yeah. So if you're loyal to those things, you're all gravy. Yeah, it's not a Halo situation where suddenly the Master Chief fucks. Like, it's nothing like that. Exactly. It's, exactly. Um, like, one change that, you know, Sam being deaf, which is not in the game, is, I don't know, I feel weird about those kind of things because it's... it. And they pretty much said they did that so that uh, Henry needs to take care of him in a way that Joel doesn't need to take care of Ellie, which, you know, sort of exploitative. But um, I think it's done with um, care and and uh, respect. So I, I, I think that was that was fine. And um, there's a nice interview with the actor and, and stuff. A anyway... My my point was that there's a great change uh, in in this episode where Ellie tries to save Sam. She sees that he's bitten and she she knows that she is uh, immune and that um, the fireflies want to make a cure out of out of her blood. So she tries to just apply the, her blood on Sam, which is such a moving scene. I think because it's like this like childlike idea of like the simple idea of i i just give you my blood and you're safe which obviously does not did not work and i thought for a sec it it kind of got me for a second i thought wait is this going to work is are they going to save no. sam is yeah, I, yeah I, I, I i didn't like this bit i thought no? It, i no it didn't land for me cuz i thought she'd be smarter than that and i thought you would as well Faris. no i just thought i just <laughs> thought um that the whole point was that she knew it wouldn't work but she was giving him some hope and then she would go and tell those guys but obviously you're right like she didn't she genuinely thought it would work and it just seems too that bit seemed like too childlike for me she is i know she's going to be but she's 14 <laughs> it seems like the kind of thing like i think a toddler would think i think even someone who is kind of uh, a young teenager i wouldn't expect to think like that maybe not maybe i maybe i've got a uh Strange view of younger teenagers. That bit seemed a bit too childlike for me. Like she was also meant to be his age or something. It seemed like the kind of thing, as I say, a very young child would suggest. Yeah, I I, I kind of see what you mean. I think it didn't, uh, uh, it landed much better for me. And I think it makes a lot of sense because Ellie does have um, a lot of naivete about a lot of things uh, and like a childlike uh, character to her in, in, in the first, in the story. Which we also see kind of uh, falling apart a little bit in this episode, which is also very moving, especially in the end. Um, but it, it, I think that was for me totally in line with a, a thirteen, even fourteen-year-old who grew up in a military academy in the apocalypse. By the way, that seemed that seemed uh, too stupid for me. But maybe I, as I say, I don't know many thirteen or fourteen-year-olds, so I don't know. I don't know. And also, you know, uh, the characters in the show are. Uh, uh, especially the ones who grew up in the scenario are purposefully not quite not the like... highest level of education. You're absolutely right. Yeah, um, yeah you're absolutely no, right. No, it, it made sense to me. It was like this. Um, yeah, it was childlike, but in a wonderful way, in like a naive way. Uh, um, naive, not being judgmental here. Just like um, this, like childlike ideas of things being so simple, but they never are in the scenario. And I thought that was quite powerful. And 
I don't know. I maybe I just gave up, um, gave into hope, you know, and thought for a second, ah, come on, save the kid, and it did not work. Of it did not work at not. all. Oh man, this is not how blood transfusions work. I, I like know, that, I know, I, 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 I know how blood transfusions work. Elliot obviously doesn't. <laughs> no, no, fair um, enough. But yeah, it was that moment was really painful. Um, and uh, the moment at the very end where she writes. He has this like I love this gimmick where he has this little board uh where he can scratch out the writing and uh, write on it again to communicate and I draw stuff on it and she writes I'm sorry on it and puts it on his grave. Which I thought was very beautiful as well. Yeah. Yeah. That was a good uh, final shot. Onward and upward, but she's sort of uh, she's doing a Joel once again, kind of mirroring that awful father. Well, not awful, but you know, unhealthy father figure holding in the rage. Let's head yeah. onto the road for the next journey. Yeah. But let's with that maybe wrap up here. I didn't realize we've been going for quite a while today. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, no, don't, don't be. It's just been uh, <laughs> I I didn't realize myself. I didn't even check out the uh, time. We've just been going for a while. Yeah, we love to um, give people a lot, you know. For their yes, for the zero yeah. money that they're paying to listen to, so you know why not pay us back and give us five stars on Spotify exactly. and any other platform you listen this uh, to this. And I'm gonna go away, and at some future point, I'm gonna come back with a list of all the worst things about Hogwarts Legacy, and then just talk about them at some point. Yeah, and but that'll take me a while. And I will read them out while giggling. Yeah, I mean, there it's not perfect. <laughs> it's not perfect, absolutely. No, I'm glad you're having a good time with it. I uh, will gladly play Metro Prime instead, but. Yeah, I'm happy for you, John. You have your fantasy. There you go. Hey, I mean, yeah, yeah, 100%. 100%. And you enjoy some uh, Metroid Prime, and uh, yeah. I won't say uh, I won't say a word. We'll, uh, yeah. You cannot say a word. It's, we'll it's a first-person shooter, own, John. Um, oh, I can still call it a hipster game, though, can't I? Even if it is a shooter. Although no. that is the most casual genre, as I'm showing in but yeah, we'll end it there. We'll end yeah. it there. That was a good episode. It was a good episode. The episode's done. We'll probably end it.